A Shot of Life is sponsored by the Toronto School of Management's NCA Prep Program. Get in touch with Anton on Facebook or email ncaprep at torontosom.ca to find out how you can start prepping for your NCA exams on your own time, on demand, through pre-recorded modules taught by Canadian-trained expert lawyers, as well as study guides and notes that cover the entire NCA syllabus. Mention the discount code A Shot of Life to get 10% off your purchases with TSOM. You don't have to study alone. Get in touch with Anton and get started on your journey to becoming a lawyer in Canada today. aimed at highlighting the personal journeys of professionals and entrepreneurs in Canada, taking a snapshot of the person behind the professional title. I'm your host, Anton Haswell, and this is episode 32 of our NCA series. My 32nd guest is Funke Fasunan. Funke is a lawyer, mom, and wife. She is a Nigerian-Canadian writer and writes to entertain, inform, and inspire. Funke was born to Yoruba parents in Nigeria. She lived in different cities in Nigeria, but later immigrated to Canada. Her writing reflects her interpretation of her experiences from infancy to now. She ghostwrites for people too. She feels the younger generation need to hear real stories that are not covered up in bling. She encourages people to write their memoirs in relatable ways, with easy language and style. When she's not writing, she serves as a volunteer with organizations that support self-represented litigants. Hi, Funke. Hi, Anton. Hi, thanks so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's um, I, I know... Um, Many of the listeners may also sort of not know you, but at least have seen some of your your social media posting. And so, I mean, that's how I got to know you um, is, you know, in the internationally trained lawyer space and community. Anybody who's active on social media, I'm always interested in following them. So I feel really lucky to be able to speak to you today. I feel lucky to be speaking to you today, too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, so. I always like to start these by getting to um, the very beginning of what inspired you to practice law or want to practice law or even want to study law. And then also um, what drew you to Canada, you know, the series of events that led to you being in Canada and how that went. The, the question will need to be answered in two folds, right? Yes. Because it was one thing for me to study law and get qualified 16 years ago. It mm -hmm. was another decision for me to choose to remain in law as an immigrant. So when I when I chose to study law out of, straight out of high school, because in Nigeria, you can get into the university for a degree from high school, right? Mm -hmm. But you need to, but our, our law... Um, our law schools or the faculty of law would need to take you through about, um, when I counted, about over 30 courses, because um, it's one course divided into two semesters in a five-year span, right? Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, so what took me to law at that time was because I wanted to help people. I, even though my parents uh, of humble means, mm -hmm. they had exposed us to missionary work, they had exposed us to charity work, to people that were probably not earning as much as them, to people that maybe even had no earnings, you know, people that were marginalized and were not, um, you know, so there was that desire to help people that needed help, but could not afford to push for their rights. So I was trying to be a vanguard, like fight mm -hmm. the Nigerian government and get rights for these people, you mm -hmm. know, in the remote villages. And so that was why I studied law at that time. But over the course of 16 years of practicing law, I discovered that law is like the fabric of the society. Mm -hmm. Law is like the foundation for nations. It's what determines legitimacy. It's what laws, policies, regulations, like everything just, just goes around the legislative system, the laws, the legislations, you know, like, and how you interpret them. So when I was going to, planning to come to Canada, and I was coming into an entirely new system. I mean, the easiest thing to do was to just plug into the fabric of the society, right? Right. Like, just plug into it. Like, you, you can impact the, it's like the spine. I'll call it like the human system. It's like a spinal cord. Mm -hmm. So if I'm already in a profession that's like a spinal cord of Canada, why don't I just stay in it? So, you know, so choosing to, to choosing to, practice to go into the legal profession was to help people and as an immigrant it was to understand Canada from the from like the back end mm -hmm. right yes so and then um why Canada so for my family for my partner and I it was we wanted to see the world mm. we wanted to we wanted to experience life and as a as a visiting um as a, if, you're, if you have a visiting visa to other countries, there's only so much you can do. You can't, you know, you have to start looking for work permit. You have to start, you know, you, there are lots of, and then maybe by the time you're really keen into whatever you get to do there, your visa expires and you have to go back. So we needed a country that could offer us permanent residence. And with the upbringing my partner and I had, we cannot um, be irregular migrants. If we didn't get the visa while we were in our country, it was unlikely mm -hmm. we would come. We would be okay with coming as visitors because I, I went to the US in 2017 to, for an, on a medical visa to have my baby. And once I had the baby, I went back to Nigeria. So I just did like less than four months there. Right. So we would never outstay our visa and all that. So Canada was offering that. I mean, so that was how Canada came into the horizon. Like, okay, this is a country that you can process your PR, your permanent residence visa right from your location. Mm. And you know that the day you land, you're a regular migrant. Right. You know, so that was how Canada became our top destination. Yeah. Interesting. And so I'm always curious too, like um, if you're looking at it from afar and Canada becomes a top destination, do you then look into where in Canada? Because I'm sure people are listening who are in Nigeria right now or who are, you know, in India or in Pakistan and they're, they're wondering, Canada's a big country. How did you decide? Well, first of all, where are you in Canada and how did you decide that that would be the right place for you? Well, that's an interesting question. So <laughs> um, I, I was fortunate to be raised by professors. And mm. while, while 
they were while they, they are still working, they're still working as um, professors currently in Nigeria. We lived in academic communities, and the beauty of academic communities, especially in a place like Nigeria, is that you have people that have lived in various cities of the world. So like my father, after his first degree, he was sponsored by the Nigerian government to come to the, South, to the Simon Fraser University in Burnaby, BC, to, um, to study his master's in kinesiology, right? Matthew Alaogun. And he, so he actually connected with a few people in Canada then. And this, and a particular family connected with, came back to Nigeria and became his colleague in the university in Nigeria. Mm. So they have a daughter who was born when I was born, right? Mm-hmm. And so, okay, it's, a, it's actually an interesting story. So, hmm. my, so my mother got pregnant while she was here visiting my dad, but they mm. decided to go back to Nigeria to birth, birth me because as at that time, Nigerian currency was stronger than the Canadian currency. Oh, wow. Yes, because there was a oil boom in Nigeria. Right. So nobody felt the desperation to have dual citizenship for their children. Everything was good. I right. mean, so, so my father went back. He was here between 1979 and 1981. And he went back to Nigeria. And so that daughter and that family came back to Nigeria. And the daughter was, is one of the few people I can identify as somebody I went to um the grade one, grade two, and grade three with, because my, my parents moved around a lot. So I attended my elementary school in four cities in Nigeria. So I, so she lives in Calgary. And so when Canada was a choice, I reached out to her, you know, like she's somebody I can trust. I know her parents, her parents mm-hmm. are my friend, my parents and friends, you know, and all that. She's somebody I still somehow had a connection with. Oh, Mm. hi, I'm coming over. What's happening? What's happening? Oh, she's like, oh, I can host you. Mm. And so that was how, if you, you know, but eventually it was another, immediately she had said Calgary. And then coincidentally, my mother, she's a professor of nursing. She had Mm. a conference in Canada, in Calgary at that time. Right. So immediately my friend had said, I don't want to mention a name because I don't want to breach privacy. Mm-hmm. Literally, my friend had said um, that she could host me in Calgary. And my mother was coming to Calgary. He was just like, okay, we can as well go together, right? Right. My mother had bought a ticket, but, and yet we, we were yet to get our visa, right? So mm-hmm. Calgary became like an interest, an interest. And then subsequently, because... I am the kind of person that I draw resource, I draw strength, I draw recommendation and tips from anybody and everybody. So I mentioned casually to another friend that, oh, that I'm probably going to be in Calgary. You know, I'm hoping my visa, my visa is issued before my mother travels so I can go with her. And she goes like, oh, this person um, is in Calgary. is very good there. He can help you. Now, the person she was referring to was um, a pastor. He's a, a region pastor here. We had been... He had been um, some years ahead of me as an undergraduate, but mm-hmm. we had been in the same fellowship and while I was doing my first degree in law. So I reached out to him, and by the time my visa was issued, I couldn't reach my friend that was going to host me again. So automatically, it was now a, I need to get an accommodation. You know, so, mm. so yes. So Pastor Shem was able to actually 
look for a space for us. And we actually, we came to the space from the airport, my mom, myself, and two kids, and we're still living there as I'm speaking to you. And we was able to get it to, for us within our budget because I'm, I'm very frugal. I wanted an upscale neighborhood, mm. but I wanted um, a space that was within our budget because I'm always careful to peg my recurring expenses. So, so it was my friend, it was Pastor Shell, and then, you know, and then my mom coming here, you know, so that was how we came to Calgary. So it wasn't like, um, but so mm-hmm. all these conversations, because I am one of those people that I don't segment my plans. I just, I just, um, I just move in stride. So right. I'm thinking of this thing. I, I mentioned it to someone. I have this, I could be doing, I could be running five things at the same time. And as, as I get information, as I get resources, I just beef it up, beef it up, beef it up. You know, so I, I, don't, I may not be able to give you a time segment on when we decided this, when we reached out to Pastor Shell, but somehow Calgary became it. And, um, but because she had said she was going to host me, I think that was a primary consideration. So when we were filling our forms, our express entry and all that, we had put Calgary as our destination. So I actually had um, signed up for the... Um, for two pre-settlement courses, and I was already taking them, right? Immediately, we got the invitation to apply. And our visa was issued like seven months after we we made the submissions based on the invitation to apply for the mm-hmm. visa. So between that time, we were able to do... I, I already immersed myself in pre-arrival courses and all that. So that's how we came to Calgary. <laughs> it was just, yeah. Wow. Well, and like you say, it's it's an interesting story. And it's one that, you know, it's very few people just put their finger on a map and say, I'm going to go here. You know, it's either somebody they know, or some family history from the area. Yeah. And so you moved, when did you move to Calgary? Yeah, so um, we arrived on July 2019. Wow. Okay. And when you arrived, um, well, I suppose even before you arrived, did you give any thought to what you'd be doing professionally? Did you think I'm going to come to Canada and I'm going to practice law? Or did you think I'm going to come to Canada first and let's worry about things like that later? How did you, because I'd like to get to firstly, what your experience was in trying to figure out how to get accredited and how the NCA works. Um, But I wonder at what time did that process start for you so like i said i don't segment things Mm -hmm. right i don't yeah so what happened is the the noc i used to get the expression through was paralegal because when i analyzed i I did all my process myself when and i was a primary applicant when i analyzed everything the only job the only roles i could do without a without being accredited in canada as a lawyer with a law degree, I have I have a first degree in law and I have a master's in law, was paralegal, right? Mm-hmm. So my NOC was paralegal. So at after we got our invitation to apply this um, October 2018, we dropped, we submitted our application December 2018. Around February 2019, I reached out to a friend who is a lawyer here, asking her, oh, my NOC is paralegal. Please. May I have, she's also somebody that our parents were my parents' colleagues. She's a, she's a father is a professor. So she's like, I'm like, I need to, I need to get any, what, what do I need to do so that immediately I arrive in Canada? 
I can get a job immediately as a paralegal. And she's mm-hmm. like, why do you want to do that? You can, non-immigrant, non-residents can do the NCA in Canada. Just <laughs> apply for your yeah. NCA assessment. So we had not gotten our visa approved. But fortunately for me, I have, because I had my son in the US, I had some, um, I had a banking, what the stuff there and accounts right. there. Mm-hmm. So immediately I dropped the call, I set up the NCA process. Hmm. Right. So I just set it up immediately because I'm one of those people that fixes my anxiety by action. If I'm worried and concerned about something, I figure out how to fix it. And if I cannot fix it, I forget about it. I live with it. So at that point, I was anxious about how we would live life when we arrive in Canada. Right. So at that point, she had given me something to do. So I just started the NCA process, you know, and yeah. So that was how I locked into the NCA process already. Right. And for the NCA process, it was it was smooth. I just went online, used my um, Bank of America card and, and set it up. And the only um, delay came from my own institutions in Nigeria because I did my two degrees in Nigeria. You know, mm-hmm. They're sending the transcript over to NCA. Right. right. And so we landed in, in, in Calgary, July 2019, near the kids and my mom. And my assessment by NCA was released August 2019. And then I wrote my first two papers in October 2019. Yeah. Wow. So you got right in there. So um, you applied to the NCA. It's a bit of a wait to get your transcripts sent from your university to their office. And they come back to you once they assess everything. How many exams did they say you had to write? Oh, five. Five. Okay. Yes. And that's probably because, you know, you've got a law degree and you have, you had a lot of experience yes. in Nigeria already. So I'm also curious, and I've spoken to other internationally trained lawyers who say, you know, I've been, pra- I had my own practice or I've been practicing in Supreme Court in Delhi, for instance. And um, it's weird for them to think, oh, I have to go back to school. I have to write exams. You know, I shouldn't, I should, my experience should count for a little bit more. I'm wondering how you felt in that process did you think that it made sense for you to have to do these exams i mean the five core exams are all about um canadian law in particular like foundations constitutional criminal did that benefit you at all in learning about that stuff or did you think um maybe you could there's another way to do it okay so as an undergraduate i had exposure to international law Mm -hmm. i was i was in arusha tanzania at the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda. Mm-hmm. And I was also at a moot court organized by the University of Pretoria, but held in Yaoundé, Cameroon. And what international law showed me as an undergraduate while I was in my first degree in law was that the laws of nations are different. Yeah. And even though there's an international space, the only way an international law or an international custom can become applicable to a nation, a sovereign nation, is if that nation accepts, ratifies it, they accept it, they ratify it. And in fact, they need to pass it, pass it as a domestic law within their system. So automatically, I knew that if I was moving even from Nigeria to Ghana or from Nigeria to Togo or from Nigeria to Benin Republic, those are bordering nations to Nigeria, I knew that I would mm. have to get acquainted with the differences in our laws. Now, even though those countries may be Anglophone countries, you know, they were colonized by British, they have British influence, they have the common law system. The truth is the laws are influenced by by the customs and the traditions of people. 
And mm -hmm. so what obtains in Nigeria, if you take a British, a common, a, a particular law that maybe the British gave to us back when we were a colony, Mm -hmm. And you take it, you apply it in Nigeria and you apply it in Canada. They may not have similar applications. Our weather conditions are good enough to make them, make, make you need to make them different, right? Mm. So, I mean, so I already knew that, that right. I needed to understand the Canadian legal system. Mm -hmm. that, in fact, that was, that's the first course you take as a lawyer, in, as a law student in Nigeria. In the first year, you take courses from other other faculties, but it's compulsory you take Nigerian legal system. And Nigerian legal system will take you through the history of Nigeria and how the customs in Nigeria influenced our legal system. So I knew that there was absolutely no way I could come to practice in Canada with just the Nigerian legal system in my mind. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that um, Canada, I over time, 16 years of practice, as at that time, it was, we arrived in 2019, so that it was like um, 15 or 14 years of practice. Over that period, I had seen the cost of ignorance. Ignorance is costly. I am much more scared of ignorance than death. Right, <laughs> like, right. Yes, yeah. ignorance is costly. What you don't know will cost you. Right. And so even if I've been given a leeway for example, people told me that with my years of experience, I should get an exemption from articles. I said, no, I'm going to article. Right. And right now, people are talking about the abridgment. No, I'm going to article for the full period mm. because I don't want blind spots. Mm -hmm. I don't want blind spots, you know. So for me, it was a necessity and it met my expectations because I signed up for us good online tutorials for the five courses. Right. I, I, I bought all facts that were recommended. And then I was fortunate to join Loretta and uh, Mo's um, Skype groups, the WhatsApp groups, you know, for right. group discussions. And it gave me, an, and I arrived in Canada in July 2019. I started volunteering with Elizabeth Fry Society of Calgary in October 2019. Mm -hmm. And it exposed me because they are involved with the justice system. It exposed me to the the what the practice of the law to not not in entirety but you know the effects the impact of canadian laws on the, the random person yeah yeah yes. of course mm -hmm. so so i could so the things i was reading for my exams i could see them the impact on the community of calgary right and right. this was a, a, an entirely new experience for me and entirely different from the nigerian system a lot of things that um, obtains in Nigeria does not obtain here. I'm not saying one is bad or good. They are entirely different. So it's like trying to move a saltwater fish to uh, to to what, what's the other one to fresh water. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you probably need to change the inside the internal mechanism of the fish before <laughs> the fish will survive there. Otherwise, right. the fish is not going to survive in it. Yeah. So that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> very interesting. And and you mentioned briefly, and a lot of people, um, I get questions, you know, and a lot of people get questions, and I'm sure you will get questions if you haven't already. How do I prepare for the NCA exam? So you must have done, you know, a bit of Google research and looking into different methods of studying. Did you consider the LLM programs in Canada at all? Or 
like most people, including myself, those are way too expensive. So you think, okay, I'll do self-study. How did you decide to go with the Osgood packages and how did that help you? So I asked questions. So, mm -hmm, well, good. so as immediately Calgary became a destination and immediately we had, I started making a lot of foothold in Calgary, even while we were in Nigeria, right. I was reaching out to more people. So I spoke with um, another friend with whom I was on campus and she's like a, a sister, a sister mm -hmm. also is taking the NCA exams. Mm -hmm. And so she connected me with a sister. And when, when I got my assessment, I saw that I could do self-study and I could join the LLM. Now I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm debt averse, mm -hmm. right? I'm right. absolutely debt averse, even student loans. Mm -hmm. So and I work within my reality. So the LLM bath, I think I just, I just redacted it. Like, yeah, it it's exist. too expensive. It was no, it was no option for me. Just right. take it out. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, and then I think of expense in terms of time and money, not just money. And so it was not practical for me with two kids alone in the country. And it was also not affordable. So those were, I just had to just, I just, I just operated like it didn't exist. And yeah. so when my friend said there was the Osgood alternative, I decided, and it's a tutorial, you know, they give you access to package, but it's, um, and it's um, available for a year from when you pay for it. Mm -hmm. I decided to go with Osgood. But I wrote my first two courses. I was, the plan was to write the first two in October, 2019, and to the last three in January, 2020. Fortunately for me, two weeks to the January, 2020 exam, I got my results and I discovered that I failed constitutional law. Uh, and because I had taken PR, professional responsibility and constitutional law. The interesting thing is applying my study pattern and exam approach in Nigeria, I had felt that I would pass constitutional law and I may fail professional responsibility because for professional responsibility, I've been direct and precise, no coloring. Mm -hmm. But for constitutional law, I had gone to town. I had, you know, like really did a lot of talking and all that. But mm -hmm. I failed it. And so at that time, I just called Loretta. I don't want to mispronounce her surname. I called Loretta and she was, and then I dropped one of the three courses I wanted to write in January. Right. And then we approached. So in two weeks, I, re I reorganized my study. In that two, I had already completed studying by then so you can imagine having to face it afresh mm -hmm. so for for criminal law and um what's the other one now? for criminal law and the uh, the other one has escaped me now i had to yes foundations mm -hmm. and that one had a million articles to read i you know we had to so that was when i joined the skype study groups and then loretta painstakingly took us because a friend joined me on foundations, took us through each item on the syllabus for foundations, mm -hmm. you know. So she redirected our mind. So that was when I discovered that the approach I had used for my professional responsibility is the Canadian approach to uh, answering exams. You need to be direct. You need to be coherent. You're not. You're not giving your lecture, your examiner, um, information that is not necessary that is not related to the question just because it makes your work look good right you right. need to answer the question 
after right. you've answered the question, you can decide to flesh it up. But make sure you've answered the question. <laughs> right. You know, yes. So, so you know, so it was the Skype study groups, Loretta's coaching, Dana helps with the other two. And then, but I was, so I wrote to them in January and I was going to write constitutional and admin in May, but COVID happened. And then it was, May was moved to August. And in August, they went online. That's till date. That was the most traumatic exam I've written mm. in my life. Right. Because my constitutional law fell on my son's birthday. And I, my, my mind was that I would write the exam and then we'll go spend time at his birthday. I was supposed to write it in the morning. I sat in a room in my house for 13 hours. The system kept throwing me out. At some point, I was going to cancel and postpone. Right. I just felt that there was um, no point. I'd already missed my son's birthday. Let me make the day worth it, right? Mm -hmm. So I stayed there and I wrote constitutional law. And I think because of the experience I had with constitutional law, because I escalated to NCA, for, the, for my administrative law exam the next day, they gave me priority. So the man said, immediately I'm ready, I should just send a text. So I sent in a text and I was able to write that one to time, you know, and all that. And then about a few weeks later, maybe two weeks later, they reach out to us and say, because of the technical glitches people experienced in the August exam, you can cancel for free, but you can rewrite without paying extra money. But you can only choose, once you've canceled, the one you did in August is longer applicable. <laughs> no, that's a big gamble. Mm. What if I passed the August already and then I write, you know, the wrong thing in the, in the offered rewrite? Right, right. So it was another, and it was just horrendous. I was like, why is NCA doing this? I mean, <laughs> I'm still trying to get over the trauma of, you know, August, and mm -hmm. now you're postponing my suffering by making oh, me have to take a decision on canceling an exam. So they gave us one week. Like, why? <laughs> and so, you know, so I have this approach to life. Mm -hmm. I, I reach out to people that, uh, that I think are accomplished in the aspect I'm struggling with. And then I also pray. I'm a Christian. And I just said, whatever I do, they gave us a week to decide. Whatever I do is what is best. Mm -hmm. And by the time the week rounded off, in fact, a friend of mine was monitoring me and she reached out to me. So are you changing? I said, I don't really feel the pressure to change because I've not gotten any new information since I wrote the August exam. So it's likely that if I write it at all, I'm going to be writing, approaching the exam the same way. So there's absolutely no point. If I, if I had finished the exam and felt I did bad and think I missed, omitted something, I would have canceled. But I had given my best to the exam and my, my mind, my, my psyche was not under pressure to think I may fail. You know, like, even though I wouldn't say I knew I would pass, but at the same time, I wasn't, like, panicked or anxious about the result. Mm -hmm. So I just felt, I just, so I didn't cancel. And um, and it was a good thing because I passed them. In, oh, good. And I was able to register for prep earlier because I didn't, if I had canceled, my results would also have been delayed, right? Yeah. And I would right. have been able to, yeah, so... I was able to register for prep, although prep extended the registration period because of the staggered result release. But I like spending good time on whatever I'm working on. 
So mm-hmm. being able to register for prep and start prep earlier because I didn't cancel was a plus for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. So when you look at the journey that you had to take and when you're considering, you know, the methods that you chose, if you were to give some maybe one major piece of advice to, you know, um, a younger version of you or somebody who's in Nigeria at the moment thinking about coming to Canada to practice law, what would that piece of advice be? Well, <laughs> it's hard to find one, I know. Maybe even just like a, a bit of motivation or, or one, uh, one thing that maybe you wish you knew before you started. Well, I, the advice I have for anybody venturing on a new thing, I think, because mm-hmm. I see life like that. Everything is going to throw challenges at you. You're mm-hmm. getting married, you're having kids, you're getting a new job, you're moving cities, you're moving countries, you're writing exams. The, the, what has worked for me is building communities. You need, you need support. You need to reach. Some people are introverts and say, oh, they don't know how to reach out. They'll just read up what they need to do and do it. No, you need support. You need to reach out to, you need to, the thing is you need to be strategic about seeking support. Mm -hmm. So you need to reach out to people who have what you want. Right. And ask them. So, you know, there was a friend that told me I could do NCA. I could register for NCA already from Nigeria. There was a friend that got me an apartment here already. There was Mm -hmm. a friend that said she would host me. And she redeemed herself eventually because she was the one that gave us the resource to get all the furniture we currently use. There was a time, there was a a Loretta that coached me one-on-one. But at each stage, I had to reach out to them. Right. And I think it, it goes without saying, like, yeah, I think that's a really good point because social media makes it very easy to access a lot of people. <laughs> and there are a lot of people in the NCA world now who are offering advice and some of it is good, but some of it is not so good. Um, so finding people who you trust. So if you're, you know, if you're looking to get advice from people, maybe ask around to see, is this person legit or should I you know, ask somebody else or, or anything. I think that's a really good piece of advice um, just to make sure that you're getting the right information. Yeah. Yes, I, I think um, an approach which a few people actually react funny to is when people reach out to me, I tend to refer them to people. And I think people need to start seeing it as a resource, as a source of um, support. It's possible for you to think that Funke is the ideal person to talk to. I trust her. I know her. By the time you reach out to Funke, Funke says, oh, I'm sorry, I cannot help you with this right now because my schedule is so, so busy. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if I do not refer you to somebody that can help you, you, mm-hmm. should, you may need to take the initiative to ask me, can you recommend somebody? I think right. that's one way to cut off the people that are not very helpful positively that may be giving you the wrong tips. So, so you think this person is good, you trust this person or you trust the person's judgment and the person has accomplished something you're struggling with, reach out to the person. If the person is unavailable, ask the person for recommendations, then go with the person's recommendations. So like my friend, I reached out to her. I didn't know her sister. Her sister was the one doing NCAs. Her sister gave me the advice to do Osgood. Right. 
you know, so that's another way to approach it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. That's great. So getting through the NCAs and where are you at now in your journey to practice? Are you articling now? Are you, are you like, I, what I'm, I suppose what I'm curious most about is um, how much emphasis did you put on looking for legal work outside of your studies? I know studying is so important because you can't do anything until you have the certificate, right? But once you get it, then you're stuck now with trying to find work. So I wonder how did you balance those two things? Like making sure you study and pass the exams, but also at the same time, I would imagine you might have half an eye on now the next step, because you had mentioned before you wanted to article. It was important for you, which I think is great. Um, you, need, you hear lots of stories of people who do apply for the exemptions and then, you know, they, they run into some trouble with professional responsibility and running their own practice later down the line. But regardless of all of that, how did you find articling and, and how much emphasis did you put on on finding that? And when did that start? So like I said earlier, I don't, I don't segment my life. So because I was, because I have a fear for ignorance, mm. I, I went all out in search of every knowledge, every information that was out there about earning a living as a lawyer and serving the community as a lawyer. So the Global Lawyers of Canada, Silvan, Sylvan Lennox, she's mm -hmm. such an angel. Mm -hmm. And CBA, I became, immediately I got my NC assessment. I, I registered with the CBA as a student member, NC student member. Right. So what I'll do is I register for every professional development possible. I pay for some, I, I, some are free. With GLC, sometimes I'm doing for webinars in a day. Interestingly, with the CBA, some things are old at noon in Ontario. They are 10 a.m. here. Mm -hmm. So I can do the Ontario lunch hour and still do the CBA Alberta lunch hour. Mm -hmm. Right? And so I went all out for information. And it was from the, peop the, the people that spoke on Global Lawyers of Canada platform. I think that's Global Lawyers of Canada BC platform that let me realize getting articles was difficult. Right. And so they also offered tips on making it easier for people. Mm -hmm. So for example, is that sound getting in? No, that's okay. okay. No worries. So for example, they had mentioned that um, transcripts will be helpful. So as of February 2020, when I was yet to complete my NCE, somebody that had difficulties and these the people speaking are not even immigrants some of them are, are canadians that only went to abroad to study for various reasons but they were facing the same challenge and they are even whites not blacks and they were facing the same challenges i people like me were facing so as of february 2020 somebody on the global lawyers of canada platform mentioned oh do a west cost by cost do a cost by cost assessment of your transcript canadian law students submit transcripts to secure great articles. So if you want to match your transcript submission, your international transcript may not make sense to your, your potential principal or your potential employer. So you need to bring a document that makes, that is understandable to them. 
Fortunately, the um, qualification assessment evaluation bodies, whereas ICAS, they do cost by cost. Mm -hmm. So as of February 2020, I had activated my cost by cost. And it actually, I got it around then, although the, the official ad copy never arrived until this year. I think um, COVID got it missing in, in transit. So I had, but I had the soft unofficial copy, mm -hmm. you know, so I had that. And then I was volunteering, like I said, with, um, with I started volunteering in October 2019. I started volunteering with the Little Press Society of Calgary. In November 2019, I joined, I, started, I added um, Red Cross, Canadian Red Cross to it. And January this year, I added Calgary Legal Guidance to it. Wow. Now, yeah, so as at, as at, as at, um, as of 2019, October with Elizabeth Fry, I started with their front desk. Yeah, so I supported them with intake. I supported them with um, with making coffee. That was the first place I learned to use a coffee machine. That was the first place I learned to use the dishwasher. I did all that, you know. I also had to deal with complex um, photocopying system. With the Canadian, and I, I did call transfer. With the Canadian Red Cross, they even had um, um, click, uh, they, they had access cards for all those things. And their call transfer system, the call forwarding within the facility, the system was kind of, you know, more technical than what I had to deal with in Elizabeth Fry. So I was doing, so at, at a point last, um, in 2019, I was doing two shifts with Elizabeth Fry, one at the court, traffic court lobby, mm -hmm. and then another one in their, in their, at their front desk and doing one shift with Canadian Red Cross every two weeks, mm -hmm. right? So I was running that and community, Kathy, I, I have a child that loves that um, when he gets irritable, the only way to, to get him calm is to take him on a long walk. Mm -hmm. So on one of those walks, we saw activity on the field across the house and it was a church. As of then, we couldn't, um, we didn't have a church we're attending because all the churches we were interested in were too far away and I didn't have a license. I didn't have a car. Mm -hmm. So we walked onto the field, it was a church, and we joined the activity. They had a lot of fun going on. And we told them, oh, we'd like to come and worship with you, but um, we don't have a car. Because I was, like I said, I'm debt averse. So I wasn't even going to use Uber to go to church, right? Mm -hmm. So because I, I won't put it on my credit card. So they offered to come and pick us. And Kathy, she'll be about the oldest woman in church. And Kathy, when she now discovered that I, I had secured a volunteer position, my son was in kindergarten. He had to do three hours in school. She would be waiting at my son's bus. When I put my son on the bus at 7.43, Kathy would be waiting there to drive me to Elizabeth Fry or Canadian Red Cross. Wow. Right? And then immediately I finish my three-hour shift, I take an Uber back home. So, and at the same time, I was attending CBA webinars. I was attending GLC webinars. And what I do with CBA is whoever speaks on CBA or GLC, I would go to them on LinkedIn, send them a message. Oh, I really loved this great point you made. Oh, I listened to you on this. Can we connect here? And then whatever they are about on their mm -hmm. page on LinkedIn, I get involved in it. So there is Ami Sadu. Ami, I think I connected with her through something she had said on CBA. And then one day she comes up and says she's speaking at women in law. I had to pay to attend women in law. And even though I wasn't supposed to have a CBA mentor, because I didn't study. I'm not a student in a Canadian law school at the moment. I'm an NCA student. I was able to secure a CBA, a formal CBA mentor through the women in law. You know, so, so, so all this information worked together. So, and then I had started applying 
to articles unsolicited. But at some point, at some point, I so by December 2020, I got my NCA certificate of qualification, right? So mm. now officially I'm seeking articles. But I had made a large network, I had made connections, I had done all that. Mm -hmm. So and, and then a friend sends me a message on WhatsApp. Oh, there's this job, there's this article opening on, on Indeed. Do you want to apply? And then I go to Indeed and I applied. Now, by, by now, my resume had gone through a million and one mentors. <laughs> my, you know, and when I was sent that, well, that, um, that particular um, job opportunity, Somebody had mentioned to me, because the day I, wrote, I posted that, oh, that's sometimes I look at other people's profile and I'm like feeling anxious, like, gosh, when am I going to have that kind of articles and all that? And somebody said, oh, just go and ask them how they got it. So I actually went to ask someone that has great articles. How did you get it? Mm. So she said, oh, somebody worked on my resume, Canadianized it, like one of my mentors called it. So I sent my resume to the person she mentioned, which was Kenny Okola. So Kenny worked on my resume. And Kenny just sent me my resume back when the role at, um, when the Indeed vacancy opportunity was mentioned to me. So it was the resume and his guidance on cover letter I used to apply for articles. Mm. And of course, they had told me to put any and everything I had. Anything you have that you think can work for you had it. So as at that time, I had a reference letter from Elizabeth Fry. I had another reference letter from Canadian Red Cross. I had my cost by cost transcript evaluation. I had, you know, so I put everything. I had my NCSCQ. I put everything together and, and um, um, Faye, Faye Aligo Global, she wrote my immigration story. She uh, publishes on a blog. When I write an application, I put the URL of that. Oh. Of that, yes, yeah. I put the URL of my immigration story. I would say you may read my immigration story here. And one of the partners of a big law here who mentors me too, you know, but couldn't offer me articles. I'd also mentioned that it's a good idea to do that. So I'd gone through, so between, between arriving in Canada and actually applying for these articles I secured, I'd gone through a lot of prep process because I tell, I because, um, Faye, Faye, a legal global says something, which she has mentoring calls for us. She's, I, I don't, I'm not sure how I, how I connected with Faye, but at the point she offered um, free membership of our mentoring platform. And I requested to join and she added me and she gave me a very fantastic Agnes Leonardi. She's in Ontario, she's, you know, and, mm. and this, so, so for me, it's communities, right? So Faye had said, make yourself a business case. And um, Sioban had already also said, don't dump down your resume. Your international experience is meaningful to some, some employer in Canada. And so over a period of over a year, I had more or less been, been, been assured of my competence, of my, of my ability to secure articles without changing myself, you know, and I'd already acquired what you may call Canada speak. Mm -hmm. Now, Nigeria is, Nigeria is Anglophone in our official language is English. My first language is English language because my parents are professors and English is required to pass through grades in Nigeria. So mm -hmm. a lot of parents that have high hopes for their children in education, make sure that they start the children on a strong English grammar foundation. 
But the English you speak in Nigeria is different from the English spoken in Canada. And so listening to all those webinars, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, listening to all this, engaging with all these mentors and all that was also to, on, to, to begin to use the more commonly used words in Canada. Right. So you don't sound strange when you're speaking. Mm. So, so all these put together and then the final um, resume work and the, all that awareness went into doing this application. And this was the, this was the first advertised article that I was applying for. And I got invited for, for the interview. And when I got invited for the interview, I went back again to people. Because in fact, I was categorically told I would never get it. Right. Because, because they also have they also have students that are that are eligible to article. So why would they choose me? So I went back, I spoke to, I would just send a direct message. Faye, I was told I cannot get this. What do you think? Um, Silban, I was told I could not get this. What do you think? So I actually went and asked direct questions. Why do you think, what do you think I can put forward to get this role? And, you know, with a lot of tutoring, and then I had mock interviews with lawyers I had I met on LinkedIn. You know, so we had live mock interviews across Zoom because it was going to be virtual. And, oh, fix this, oh, fix this. I even had a dress rehearsal where Loretta checked my lighting, checked my dressing, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> everything. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so, and by the time, because I started with them last week, by the time I started with them, I discovered that it was actually part of, I think part of the winning, winning um, points for me was my experience with the nonprofits in Nigeria and Canada. You know, yes. So, I mean, so that's it. So when people ask me, how did I get it? Or if, so all that went into it. So like I said earlier, build communities. And that's just, that's just it. I, I have no other, like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it sounds like, um, you know, everybody's journey to finding articles is a bit different, but what's, what's very similar for, with successful um, you know, articling positions is that you do need to rely on people around you, community. And there are some really great groups that you had mentioned, including Global Lawyers of Canada. And, you know, if you have opportunities to attend online seminars or, um, you know, even perhaps like I, even listening to this kind of podcast, maybe like you had mentioned, you're picking up on on the way that Canadians speak or, you know, some advice that some other internationally trained lawyers might have. There's all kinds of, of opportunities for you to seek out, um, firstly, the community and the, the help that you need, you know, relying on other people who are going through the same thing or who have been through it. I think the, when you were talking about your CV um, and getting your resume looked at and edited to fit sort of the Canadian mold as it were, that's important. And I think people overlook that. I think they think, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, I already have mine from wherever in the world. But in Canada, it is important, you know, that you adapt a little bit to the professional marketplace here. And it sounds like through all of those um, opportunities to meet so many different people, it all worked out. Um, so, you, so you are articling now or you're, you're going to begin soon or... So yes, I'm articling now. I started last week, right. and to 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 speak a bit on what you said about um, making your resume or CV fitting, it's a, it's like the speak the speech too. 
you you want because I'm, I was a business lawyer in Nigeria, right? And mm-hmm. one thing about businesses is that they're looking at the bottom line. Even the not for profits, they're looking at their initiative. They're looking at their project beneficiaries, right? So you don't want you don't you may if if I want a business, I have to ask a friend that your daughter. She said her daughter corrects her pronunciation because of what daughter is learning in school. And I'm like, imagine if your daughter opens a business, even a lemonade business, would she make you a customer care agent mm. with your accent that she has a problem with, that the daughter has a problem with? And the lady said, no. I said, that's the problem. So even though we think we may feel that, oh, it's unfair. They know I'm from Nigeria, so they should accept that I'm international. Right. The truth is that if you write a document or you speak in a way that sounds foreign, you may not help their business goals or, ch- or non-profit goals, right? right? Yes. Right. I mean, so, yeah, so it's very essential. And yes, I've started articles. I, I article with the Public Interest Law Clinic of the University of Calgary. It's a composite article. So I'm, right now I'm still trying to secure um, a law firm, mm-hmm. but I would do the... Um, second phase with because i'm going to do in two phases i'm doing the first four months with the public interest law clinic of the university of calgary and i'm looking forward to being employed by another um principal you know maybe preferably a law firm preferably in litigation because i want wide exposure Mm. so that i can finish up my articles with them so i just i'm looking for four months more with another principal but i started already with public interest law clinic and to be honest with you it's like they're paying me to taste candy mm, you love it eh? <laughs> yeah i love it <laughs> that's love great it. that's such good news that you managed to find something that you really enjoy and i think that will probably help motivate you as you move forward in your in your career here in canada yes yes because um, something, something that volunteering did for me is it helped me to learn the corporate culture mm-hmm. without fearing the loss of my job. Right. And so when people look at me, that why are you doing all that? Mm-hmm. I, I, I arrived in Canada in my 30s and everything I didn't know between age zero and the age I arrived, it can work against me. Right. Right. So what I've tried to do in this first two years, I'm not even yet two years old here. What I've tried to do in this first two years is try to somehow cover all that knowledge gap, social and professional. Mm-hmm. And when I secured articles with the University of Calgary's Public Interest Law Clinic, it felt like, yes, I had done a good job. Mm, of course, definitely. Well, I mean, what an interesting journey you've taken, uh, Funke. And, and I mean... I'm really interested to find out more about what happens as you continue on. And I'll, I know that if you don't mind, I'll be sharing your, your LinkedIn profile with people when I post this podcast episode, because I think a lot of people listening will also be interested to follow you and um, interested to see how you do and, and what interesting things you have to write and blog about and all kinds of things like that. I, I really, I mean, we can leave it there for this interview. Um, I know that I learned quite a bit. And I'm sure that many listeners um, will have learned quite a bit too. My my big takeaway um, is the reliance on community and the help of others. Like nobody can do all of this alone. And embracing that good, solid support is really important. And it sounds like it really, really helped you. Yes. <laughs> Communities, that's it. 
Yes, exactly. That's just it. Well, Funke, I, I really appreciate your time today. Um, for those listening who, who may listen later down the line, this is a Sunday morning <laughs> that we had this chat. And um, it, it was a great way to start the day. I really appreciate it, Funke. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I decided to write my biography and in, in my autobiography in series just mm. to address this so when people ask me questions i can just tell them oh go and buy my book you know right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right yeah. and i already did the first one and the second one i'm supposed to upload it like this month and you know so i love to write so i look forward to having more contacts on my linkedin mm-hmm. and to engaging with more people and i can assure people that if you ask me for support for anything if i cannot help you i would re- recommend somebody that will deliver nicely to you Amazing. Paying it forward and continuing to be that community for others. (laughs) Uh, Funke, thank you again so much. And that does it for this episode of A Shot of Life. Thanks again, as always, to my guests and thanks to you, the listeners. Until next time, we'll talk again.